and a good afternoon, early evening to you. Welcome into the Y'all Show, talk with a southern accent. I'm your host, John Rawl. Hope all is well on your front here as we wind the week down on a Thursday. We're going to have a good show today as we're going to talk books. We're going to have Inman Majors, author of the hot new book, Penelope Lemon. That interview coming up later this hour in our Buy the Book feature. Inman, this is his fifth book for the Tennessee native now living in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And this is a funny book. And Inman and I have met on more than one occasion. And he's a great author and a rising star when it comes to writing books. And we're going to be talking with Inman Majors, who, yeah, that last name, sound familiar? He is the nephew of one Johnny Majors, former head football coach at Pitt and the Tennessee Vols. So we've got some football talk coming with Inman and a lot of talk about his new book, Penelope Lemon, coming up in this hour. Plus, before we get out here this hour, we're also going to spotlight festivals across the southeast. Yes, there's going to be some really fun things for you to check out this weekend as well as next week. We'll have our Festive South feature coming up this hour on the Y'all Show. Also in today's show, in hour two, you know, as Southerners, we don't like to be calling, we don't we don't like the term yank or someone calling us a Yankee. But a hundred years ago, if someone called us a yank, well, then that was all right because we were out fighting in the Great War. And in hour two of today, we're going to kick it off with a tribute to the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One, And in the month of August, specifically, this week, a hundred years ago, the war took a turn for the better, actually, and it was a very, very good month for the Allies and a very bad couple of weeks for the Germans, which ultimately led to their surrender in November of 1918. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the impact on America. Just give you a glimpse. We're probably going to have a lot more Great War talk before November comes on the Y'all Show, but we wanted to go ahead and remind you that yes, 100 years ago, Southerners and Americans, doughboys alike, all fighting for America over there. And we'll talk about it at the start of Hour 2, and then we'll move over to our SEC Spotlight, where we're going to do something a little unusual. Now that all the teams are practicing, we're hearing not just from coaches, the head coaches, that is, we're hearing from the coordinators. And so in Hour 2, we're going to hear from three offensive coordinators in the SEC, we're going to hear from three defensive coordinators from throughout the SEC. So some really good info coming from the coordinators in hour two during our SEC spotlight. You don't want to miss it. See, I told you, it's going to be one heck of a show today. So buckle up, Buttercup. We're going to be having a great show that you're not going to one miss one second of, okay? Well, this weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia, it will mark the one-year anniversary of the deadly rally that happened in Charlottesville last August where the one woman was killed tragically. And it was a rally that got out of control. Well, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, has already ordered the city of Charlottesville and Northam have declared states of emergency of this weekend's white nationalist rally that's planned in Charlottesville. I don't think there'll be much to it. But this state of emergency will allow state agencies to quickly mobilize resources to aid local authorities, the governor's office said. The order, which also allows Virginia National Guard to assist in security efforts, was announced yesterday as Charlottesville officials held a press conference 
on the city's efforts to prepare for the anniversary of the August 12th rally. And a lot of protesters actually are not going to be in Charlottesville. They're going to be in Washington, D.C., not all that far from Charlottesville, for rallies there. Now, I heard an expert on this whole subject on one of the networks, and he said that he thinks that it'll be very small, the amount of white nationalist figures coming out for this anniversary. And the reason he said is because this rally last year, the way it went down with someone losing their life and the awful press coverage that came from it, that the true white nationalists, this was this was a big loss for them. Usually any attention is good attention, but this was a very damaging thing for the skinheads and white nationalists or whoever else was there in Charlottesville to supposedly be there to help protest the removal of a Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville. I don't want that to happen, but I'm not going to go there and have a white nationalist rally, okay? And this rally, which, again, it was terrible that it got out of control. I don't really blame the white nationalists for a lot of that. And the reason is, if you watch any video of that rally last year, the cops were nowhere in sight. They didn't come out there and try to break up anything. That's all been part of a review that's happened. And if you truly want to look into it, they were hiding behind that statue of Robert E. Lee. And then they came and and then forced the rally to kind of come to an end. But for a good hour or two, and I watched it live on CNN, cops weren't doing anything to break up the protesters. It's almost like they just let them have at it, the, the two sides. And it was a very ugly scene that it's really a shame that that the Virginia police and the Charlottesville police, the state police and the Charlottesville police weren't doing their part last year to jump in there and bring that thing to a head. And they let them fight. Ultimately, remember, not only did the one woman die when the guy, his car rammed into her, remember a helicopter crash from the Virginia state police? I think two Virginia state policemen died in a helicopter crash, one of which was assigned to the governor's detail. That, that kind of gets forgotten about, but that was, a, that was an accident. That could have happened any day, anywhere, but still a very touchy situation this weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia, as they have the one-year anniversary of last year's deadly rally. On the civil rights front in Tennessee, a nearly 80-year-old case has been reopened. This is a cold case in Brownsville, Tennessee. In 1940, Elbert Williams of Brownsville, which is Haywood County in West Tennessee, he was the first NAACP worker in the country killed fighting for civil rights. There's always been an effort to get this case reopened. Jim Emerson has dedicated almost all of his retirement years to trying to solve the Elbert Williams homicide case. He's been tried at the state. He's tried at the local, state, and federal levels. Inside Emerson's study, he's surrounded by countless binders of research of a case he spent the past five years of his life obsessing about. Williams, as a member of the Brownsville chapter of the NAACP, was abducted from the home and killed after trying to register people to vote. His body's buried somewhere at Taylor Cemetery in an unmarked grave. The county district attorney of Haywood County, Gary Brown, announced Wednesday that he's opening the case. The reopening of the case comes on the heels of the Tennessee legislature passing the civil rights cold case bill this past session. And Johnny Turner, a representative from Memphis, sponsored the bill in the House. 
Now to a arrest in the state of North Carolina. We told you earlier this week about how young boys' lemonade stand was robbed at gunpoint by another teenager. Well, police in Union County, North Carolina, have arrested that teen, and he is a sp- suspected of robbing a nine-year-old boy's lemonade stand for 17 bucks this past weekend, and he was charged with robbery with a dangerous weapon and possession of drug paraphernalia. The drunk young drink seller, only known as Mark, was held up at gunpoint Saturday while trying to sell lemonade in order to make enough money to buy a lawnmower in, Nor- in Monroe, North Carolina. And that is, maybe this case is finally winding down. Mark got a lawnmower, a riding lawnmower actually, donated to him on Monday of this week by Lowe's Home Improvement, which is a Charlotte-based home improvement chain. So an arrest there on the lemonade robbery. If you live in Georgia or in Tennessee, this is great news. As Southwest Airlines is going to begin nonstop flights between Atlanta and Nashville. And these flights are going to be going on daily. Five flights a day, Monday through Friday, between the two cities. Three flights a day on Saturdays and Sundays. The vice president of Southwest Airlines Technical Operations said that the airline announced the route in February that it answers business community requests in both cities. And Nashville is excited. Atlanta is excited. Dallas-based Southwest is the second largest carrier at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport behind locally based Delta Airlines. But Southwest stepping up its flights between Atlanta and Nashville. So if you go between the two, now your trips over Mont Eagle Mountain in Tennessee may be coming to a halt. You can jump on a plane and fly between Nashville and Hotlanta. That is great news. We told you earlier in the week about how the governor of Louisiana, John Bell Edwards, is going to Washington today to talk about criminal justice reform with President Donald Trump. Well, the Republican senator from Louisiana, who we also featured earlier this week, John Kennedy, the very southern senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, he sent a letter to President Trump on Wednesday trashing John Bell Edwards' justice reforms and the, the letter said people are being killed because of the so-called criminal justice reforms that were put in place, Kennedy wrote in his letter, citing specific violent crimes some of the prisoners have been accused of committing since their release, including murder. He also cited higher recidivism and arrest, re-arrest rates than the Louisiana Department of Corrections has reported in its statistics. Trump has invited the governor of Louisiana and many others to his office to meet with him in New Jersey to discuss justice reforms that may be replicated on a national scale. So the senator from Louisiana going against the governor of Louisiana, and there's actually speculation that John Kennedy may decide to run for governor of Louisiana in 2019, I think is when that election is. So a very interesting development in the Pelican State between the senator and the governor. A former governor of Alabama, Robert Bentley, remember he had to kind of resign in 2017 in disgrace because of an affair he was having with a woman from Tuscaloosa? Well, the governor, in an interview this week, says that he's not ruling out a return to public life. In an interview with the political site Yellowhammer, the governor, Robert Bentley, was former governor, was asked if he would 
consider returning to office, possibly in the U.S. Senate race against Democrat Doug Jones in 2020. And he responded, I love serving the people of this state. Serving as governor was the greatest honor of my life. And that kind of opens the door that he may indeed be thinking about a run into political office again. After a couple of chaotic weeks in 2017 with Bentley refusing to resign his governor's position, he ultimately made a plea with the Alabama Attorney General's office where he agreed to not seek or serve in any public office. The former governor was also ordered to pay $7,000 in fines and reimburse his campaign for more than $8,900 it paid in legal fees for former advisor Rebecca Caldwell Mason, who had a romantic relationship with Bentley while he was in office. And we could have our next contestant on the D-U-M-M Dumb game. A woman in St. Petersburg, Florida, reportedly told authorities she took her clothes off and ran through a park naked in an attempt to get away from a giant spider. Yeah, 40-year-old Danielle Dolores Teeples admitted to police she had been taking drugs such as crystal meth and crack cocaine prior to taking off her clothes. So, a giant spider could be enough to get her away from serious time for getting naked in St. Petersburg, Florida. Teeples, who isn't doing good amongst the peoples, okay? Off we go to another left-of-center story. This is from Gainesville, Georgia, and two brothers. Hey, nothing like brotherly love, right? Well, two twins have been sentenced after they dealt cocaine together. Yeah, this pair of twin brothers in Hall County, Georgia, will be joining each other behind bars after prosecutors say they distributed cocaine. Kamika Dukes and Kiko Dukes, both age 41 of Gainesville, conspired to sell cocaine from August 2015 to October 2016. Kamika Dukes sold the drugs to informants working for a narcotics squad unit on 10 occasions. Kiko Dukes sold cocaine to the informants on three occasions. The brothers were released from prison in 2014 after being arrested for dealing drugs. Prosecutors say the twins were back to dealing drugs in less than a year. You reckon they'll have the same jail cell as twin brothers going to the Hooskow in Hall County, Georgia? Well, if you're a Mississippi National Guard member, good news. You may be suiting up in maroon and white, ringing a cowbell, and yelling, Go State, real soon. That's because Mississippi State University in Starkville is guaranteeing free tuition for Mississippi National Guard members studying full-time for an undergraduate degree. President Mark Keenum of Mississippi State and National Guard Commander Major General Jansen Durr Boyle signed the agreement earlier this week, and it's going to be a big boost for our Guard members. Mississippi State currently charges a full-time resident of Mississippi $8,600 for two semesters of tuition and fees, but many people pay less because of aid. The university will help students apply for other aid, but promises it will make up any shortfall. Mississippi State is a 22,000-student university in Starkville, Mississippi. Hail State! Now we move to Nashville and country music superstar, crossover superstar Carrie Underwood announced on Wednesday that she's pregnant with her second child. The 35-year-old songstress, who is absolutely gorgeous, well, she's going to be expecting her second child in a couple of months with her 
husband, former Nashville Predators hockey player Mike Fish. They already have a son together, three-year-old Isaiah. Underwood says, Mike and Isaiah and I are obviously over the moon and excited to be adding another little fish to our pond. And she released that statement in a video. Underwood's Cry Purdy Tour will start touring in May of 2019. Tickets are going on sale in about a week. And I saw that she's going to be playing in Memphis at FedEx Forum on this tour. And I guess she'll be having this baby prior to hitting the road in 2019. But Carrie Underwood going to have her second child. Congrats to the country music star. Well, this star from the gridiron, well, we see him all the time on television with commercials and such. But Brett Favre went on the road this week, and he was spotted at Clemson University in Clemson, South Carolina, where the NFL legend spoke to the Clemson football team during their preseason camp. He got a chance to watch the team's first practice with full pads at the Allen N. Reeves football complex. Clemson head football coach Dabo Sweeney said the opportunity to host a player as renowned as Favre was remarkable because of his experience and outlook on the game. Brett Favre taking his show on the road from Hattiesburg to Clemson to see Clemson football practicing. Clemson picked to be in the final playoff of the year. They're currently, I think, number two in the poll. So Brett Favre getting his taste of Clemson football this week. A Texas A&M University student who's graduating, she did something a little unusual for her senior portraits. You know, people get all dressed up now for high school senior portraits. Well, they're doing it for college portraits, too. Well, this TAMU, TAMU student, Mackenzie Nolan of Abilene, she posed with a huge gator, a 14-foot alligator in Beaumont named Big Tex. She worked at the park that Big Tex is a part of, and this park named Gator Country, where she was an intern in Beaumont, and she said that, well, this was a great graduation picture. And sure enough, if you go to Kenzie Alexis on Instagram, you'll see her in her Texas A&M cap and gown with a gator sitting there looking right at her. No telling what's on that gator's mind, but I don't think I would be brave enough to do that. Mackenzie, you are one brave lady, and we wish you well as you get your degree in wildlife ecology, and maybe you will go back to work at Gator Country Adventure Park in Beaumont as a new Texas A&M alum. Gig'em. Speaking of AMM, next Thursday on the Y'all Show, we're going to talk all Aggies with Gay Bach of TexAggs.com. That'll be our SEC spotlight. We'll find out all about Jimbo Fisher and his first year in Aggie land. Texas A&M, our SEC spotlight next week. This week on the show, actually in the next hour of the Y'all Show, we're going to talk a lot of SEC football. We're going to hear from offensive coordinators for three SEC schools. We're going to hear from three defensive coordinators from SEC schools. These are the guys that are very important in the program, but you often don't hear them speak that much. Well, we've got audio as they're all in camp. They're all talking, and we've got it. And we're going to let you know who all those six coordinators are as we roll on with the Y'all Show today. Don't go anywhere. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to welcome in Inman Majors, whose book is Penelope Lemon, and it is out next week, and we're going to have a tremendous interview with this Southern author in our Buy the Book feature. That's up next on the Y'all Show with General John Rawl. 
Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <laughs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. Hey, small business owners. Whether you're known for designing dresses for divas or delivering amazingly accurate accounting, there's something that makes your business great. And Vistaprint is here to help you tell the world. That's why we're offering 500 custom business cards starting at $9.99. There are hundreds of styles to choose from, easy logo upload, and our team is standing by to help you out. So be bold, be brilliant, and be the person who gets 500 business cards for just $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code 7575 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7575. If you're gonna walk, I'm gonna crawl. And we are back on the Y'all Show, where we talk all things Southern. And on the Y'all Show, we are proud of our Southern literature. You know, the South is home to so many great writers throughout history. And we've got budding writers as well that are making their mark on the literary scene. And we like to feature authors from the South and Southern novels on the Y'all Show. And here with me, John Rawl, on today's Y'all Show is Inman Majors, who's now written his fifth book. And we're going to go to the Commonwealth of Virginia and bring Inman Majors in in our Buy the Book feature. Hello, Inman. John, how are you, my man? I am doing great. You and I have had a chance to powwow on more than one occasion. And so hopefully I had not seen you in a while. I hope all's well there in Virginia with you. All is well. You need to come see me in Charlottesville one of these days. It's a, it's a good place to be. I'll I come. really enjoyed it up here. I'll, maybe we can come this weekend and have a little rally, you know, you and I. Just you and I. <laughs> well, as long as we're on the back porch and we have a, uh, a cold drink or two, that'll be all right. All right. We're not going downtown this weekend for sure. Well, Emin, Emin, you are in Virginia, but you got roots in Tennessee. You are the nephew of Johnny Majors, former University of Tennessee football player, 
and then went on to coach the Vols as well as the Pitt Panthers, led the Panthers to a national championship. So football has kind of been in the majors family tree for a long time, but you're not playing football, you're not coaching football. So tell us how in the world you got away from that family business. Well, I didn't have any ability was the first thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I played in high school. I was actually on a state championship team in, in Knoxville, Knoxville Webb Spartans, won a single Ooh. championship in 1991. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, my grandfather was a longtime high school coach in Huntland, Tennessee, and then he was the head coach at Swanee uh, University of the South for about 20 years. And he had five kids, three played at Tennessee. Uh, my dad played at Florida State, uh, actually signed with Alabama and transferred uh, when they went 0-10 under Ears Whitworth or Whitlock, I can't remember his last name. If he stayed at Alabama the whole time, he would have been there for Bear Bryant's uh, uh, first year as a senior. But he went to Florida State, was teammates with Burt Reynolds, and uh, had some good seasons there. And then my Uncle Larry played at Swine for my grandfather. So, oh. yeah, you know, I, if I could have done it, I would have done it. You know, I, I played football and basketball in high school, but uh, – Somehow or another, I became a writer and, um, and a teacher, and that's where we are. Well, you went to Vanderbilt for undergrad, and then you got your MFA, kind of like your, your dad. You went to the University of Alabama for a time, but you actually got a degree, an MFA from the capstone. And you're now roll at, Tide. Yeah, Roll Tide. I know that's hard with you uh, probably having a little bit of love of Tennessee, I assume. I don't well, know. You know, it's, I, since my uncle's not coached anymore, I, I just go whichever team is the best. So okay. I got – I can go Vanderbilt. I can go uh, uh, Alabama. I, I follow my alma mater probably more than anybody. Actually, I've become a UVA fan. Uh, UVA basketball is kind of my big thing right now. We won't talk about last year's NCAA tournament. No, well, let's talk about it. How, how about let's don't talk about it? <laughs> how about UMBC? <laughs> It's still it's still too soon. <laughs> okay, still too soon. Well, we ought to talk about where you're employed right now, which is James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and they were the 2016 national champions. Go Dukes! Yeah, and they they're runner up last year. They were undefeated. Uh, yeah. yeah, they got it going on up there. That's a, it's a really good uh, place to see a ball game. They got a good marching band and um, mm-hmm. you know people tailgate. It's uh, Harrisonburg is cool, and you know JMU is a, a great place to work. Uh, I've never lived in Harrisonburg when I first got the job there 14 years ago i just couldn't find any housing so i lived in waynesboro virginia for about eight years and then about four years ago we moved over the mountain here to charlottesville uh, I, well, I like i like virginia well, if i you, like tennessee too yeah well if you do get a chance to see mike houston head coach of the jmu dukes tell him john rawl said hello i'll do it all right well you you have been a professor at james madison as you said for a number of years but when you're not being a professor you like to pull out the old typewriter, I guess. I, I don't know what you use. <laughs> <laughs> you probably do, but I'm sure you're more of a computer kind of guy. I'm a computer guy. Yes. Yeah. And your first novel that you penned, I think, came out in 2000. Does that sound right? That's right. Yeah, I've been knocking around at it for a while now. Yeah. 2000. So 2000 was the year that you got going. How? 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 I mean, you did what most people say they're always wanting to do, but they never do it. You actually wrote a book. How did you have the strength to pull that off? Well, you know, I was, I, was in, I was in grad school, so, I, you know, that helped. I was making uh, – I was a, a TA, so that means I took two classes and I taught two classes, and I was making $800 a month. And in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you could live on, you could live on $800 a month. Very easy to go to Taco uh, – very easy to go to Taco Casa and, and knock that out, though. Yeah, lots of good meat and threes. Uh, over there in Northport, there's a good one. You could get a uh, meat and three and a glass of sweet tea for two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So – I uh, just, you know, I wrote it in the summers, uh, so I didn't know what I was doing, um, and I just decided I'm going to write it, and I was so scared 
that wasn't going to be any good. And that's if I looked, if I read it, I I just stopped. So I just kept writing until it was done. And after I wrote the first page, I never read again for like three years till I till I got finished. So and then I finished it, and I guess in '95, and it, you know, it took a while to get it published. Uh, I had to revise it, and then um, and then after that, uh, you know, they came a little, started coming a little bit faster. After yeah. That. Well, that first book was titled Swimming in Sky, a novel. And you followed that up with a couple of books, Love's Winning Plays, The Millionaires, and Wonder Dog, with the craziest cover I think I've ever seen. A, was that a wiener dog jumping through a ring of fire? <laughs> yeah, wiener, uh, wiener Dog is the, is, uh, and Love's Winning Plays are my two comedies before the new book. Wonder Dog is set in Tuscaloosa. It's a political comedy. It's, uh, you know, if you've ever been to Tuscaloosa, you will recognize a lot of the places there. The main character is the son of the, of the governor of Alabama and a former child star on, on kind of like a, a lassie type show. And um, so that, that was a comedy. And then Love's William Plays, uh, your listeners may be interested in that. Um, it's a comedy about SEC football. Huh. And so, yeah, that one's – John, that's the one you're really going to like if you haven't read it yet. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it follows a young graduate assistant – whose job it is to uh, take care of uh, this wild-ass coach, mm-hmm. uh, defensive line coach, uh, as they go on one of those uh, those tours that you know all the schools do where they go to these little small towns and, uh, and try to get the fans fired up. Oh, yeah. So in this, in this one's called the Pigskin Cavalcade. Ah. Uh, and so it, uh, so that's, a, that's my football comedy, and then uh, that gets us up to Penelope Lemon Game On, which is my latest comedy. So I've written five books, three comedies, and two are series. Yes, and as you said, Penelope Lemon is the brand new, and it actually doesn't come out till next week when that's Penelope right. Lemon Game On from Inman Majors, his fifth book, arrives. So it's really neat for us to be able to talk to you before this even hits the newsstands. So, woo, this is exciting stuff on <laughs> on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. And- uh, yeah, if you, I'll be in uh, I'll be in Knoxville next Monday, the thirteenth. I'll be in uh, uh, Nashville Tuesday, the fourteenth, and I'll be in Memphis uh, the sixteenth. Yes. Y'all come out and see me. Also, you're going to be in your native town of Charlottesville in September. You'll be in Fairfax, Virginia, October 11th. You'll be in Nashville again on the 13th of October at the Southern Festival of Books. I've seen that on C-SPAN before. It's a pretty cool event in Music City. It is a cool event. And then you'll be in Baton Rouge for the Louisiana Book Festival on November 10th. Now, I mentioned that because your book, Penelope Lemon, is out on Louisiana State University Press. So... (laughs) LSU Press, that's right, man. Uh, they have a uh, Yellow Shoe Fiction is their uh, in, their fictional imprint of LSU Press. Okay, it's been a, they've been great, man. They've been uh, it's probably the most fun uh, publishing experience I've had. Really nice folks, and uh, they've pre- treated me well. I like the cover. I've got a great editor, a guy named Michael Griffith, who's also a writer and a professor up at the University of Cincinnati. He's a South Carolina fella, hmm. but he lived in Baton Rouge for a while, and. Uh, so he he was he was really cool to work with, and he's, we've become good friends. Michael Griffin. Well, he's got a he's got a he's got a good a really your sports fans out there. He, his first novel is a comedy about uh, golf, pro oh. golf. That's a good one. Spikes. Well, you're talking two things that I really like: golf and SEC. But I can handle any football, frankly. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. With this one. This one, I'm afraid, this latest book, Penelope Lemon, might hit home close to me because I'm a recent divorcee and I'm in my 40s. And your book, Penelope Lemon, is about a woman who's a twice divorcee and a parent of a young child like I am going through the comedy of life. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, John, uh, not to ask a personal question, but uh, are you doing any online dating yet? No. Uh, do you have any dating apps and stuff? Well, anyway, this is sort of um, talking about the challenges of being uh, – she is just trying to get, dip her toe back into dating. And so she's got a uh, dating app, and she's got a uh, uh, internet dating site. And so you know, I think it is a challenge to be a parent and also to date. So I'm trying to have some fun with that idea. And uh, she's just gone back to work. She's living in a small town in Virginia. And uh, the only work she can find right off the bat is waiting tables at a, a frontier steakhouse called Coonskins. Ah. <laughs> uh, so um, so that's that's her first job. Uh, so, yeah, it's the idea of being in your 40s and having to start all over again. Yeah, well, I've... I, I, have you, I, I kind of think of it as a uh, as a uh, R-rated Mayberry. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe PG-13. I'm not sure it's PG-13. It's right there. It's, it's pretty risque at points, but uh, it's very light comedy, a quick, easy read. Uh, it's, it's my first uh, book with a, a female protagonist, female uh-huh. main character. So that was, that was fun to write. Well, I have to ask you, I mean, you, you, this is going to be a fun read for anybody, but if, especially if you've had a life story similar to mine. And, and sadly, let's be honest, half the country has been through a divorce. Have you been through a divorce before? I have not. I, I was, uh, my goal was to marry my third wife first. Uh, okay. and I, I, just, I, I didn't get married until I was 32. Okay, that's good. So that kind of that helped me, um, you know, uh, Stay married. <laughs> well, my so, my, my I've marriage. Been very lucky. I've got I've got a good gal. You really need to consult me because my before you write your next book because I've had two marriages, and I'm batting zero and two in the SEC West. My first <laughs> wife was a graduate of Alabama. We got married in Tuscaloosa, only only football game day. By the way, they were playing a road wow. game. Uh, that one ended up in flames. And my second wife was from Oxford, Mississippi. We got married in Oxford, Mississippi. I am 0-2 in the SEC West. Don't you think I should at least move over to the East next time? Yeah, I think, yeah you might need to look for a Tennessee gal or a Florida gal. Uh, well, I'm from South Carolina. I'm afraid to marry a Gamecock because I'll probably be related to him. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, maybe you need to try another conference. Uh, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need to go on a road. Uh, and out of conference, uh, yeah. out of conference schedule. Yeah, that's definitely what I need to do. But, hey, you talked about the social media stuff, and, and golly, it, it's hard enough meeting people, but when you add in the social media aspect and the apps that are out there, the dating apps, it gets makes a crazy business even crazier. And you've got something called D-I-V-O-T-E. Make sure I say this right. Is it Devote? Devote, yeah. Tell Tell everybody what that is. Well, for her 40th birthday, her mom's worried about her being single. So Penelope, she's so dead broke after her divorce, she has to move in with her uh, mom and stepdad and her eight-year-old son. So she's living in the basement of her childhood home, you know, and, and trying her best to get out of there. Well, her mom's worried about her dating, so she gets her a uh, Devote, which is a Christian dating app, and also gets her a subscription to something called Love Sync, which is a uh, online dating website. So. She ends up getting a approach from a wide assortment of, uh, of fellas out there. Okay. Well, and this is a, I guess, a successful venture. This devote for her. Mm, I wouldn't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in comedies, in comedies, you have to put your main character through a lot of, uh, you know, sort of embarrassing uh, situations. So yes, uh, I would not say that she has found true love. Uh, 
yet by the time the book ends. But hopefully she'll uh, she'll keep plugging at it. You know, my friends have actually I've had a lot, a lot of my friends have uh, had success with those um, dating websites. Well, I'm gonna go right now when we hang up. I'm gonna go search for Devote on my app and see if I can't download it. Maybe I'll have success. You might be too wild for that one, John. Okay, okay. Now I will ask you. This book is set in Hillsboro, Virginia. That's right. Now there is a real Hillsboro, Virginia. Is there? Yes. You didn't know that. No, I used to live in Waynesboro, so I just changed it to Hillsboro. No, Hillsboro is up near Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. It's right there in that little corner of Virginia. It's not that far from Washington, D.C. So I bring that to your attention because I didn't know if the mayor of Hillsboro may take notice or may be a little bit mad about your new book, Penelope Lemon. Well, he might. You know, I should have probably looked that up before I published the book. Uh, I was actually thinking about Hillsboro uh, Boulevard in Nashville. But, uh, okay. He's popped in my head. But well, there's it a, is not that Hillsboro. This is a fictitious Hillsboro. Well, there's a Hillsboro in Williamson County, Tennessee, and they, they had to actually change their name to Leaper's Fork. So that's why there used to be a Hillsboro High School but in, in Williamson County. And they, they, they go by Leaper's Fork now to avoid. I've been to Leaper's Fork. There's a good little diner down there. A good yeah. street place to eat. Puckett's Grocery. Well, maybe I, I hope I hope the Hillsborough people do not take exception. Okay. I, I, I meant them no uh, harm. Okay. Well, this book could be a, a turnabout for Hillsborough, Virginia. It could really put, put them <laughs> even more on the map. Well, this it's is going to be a tourist. It's going to be a tourist destination for sure. <laughs> well, I'm just letting the people in Hillsborough know when they start getting people coming there on a Penelope Lemon, <laughs> you know, od- Odyssey. They're going to be looking for the Coonskins and all the other places in town, and and you're going to you're, you're going to disappoint them. Hey, I'm going to go there right now and open up a place called Coonskins. That, that, that may be the the ticket right there. Well, we are excited for the new book, Inman, and, of course, we want to encourage people to go pick it up at their local bookstore, an independent bookstore, if you can. But also, you can go online and buy the book. Also, Inman has a very cool website that you can check out and learn more about his life and his books. It's InmanMajors.com, I-N-M-A-N, Majors, as in Coach Johnny Majors, his uncle. InmanMajors.com is the website. And as we close up, I've got to ask, as a, a child of the 80s and 70s too, but of the 80s, I love the very pixelated video game characters that are part of the cover, and, and you've got that in the book. Yeah, she's a, Penelope is a, 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 a gal from the 80s, so, you know, she grew up listening to uh, hair rock and uh, playing video games, and she still likes playing video games. She's, she's, a, she's a, you know, she's kind of inspired by a lot of the, uh, women I grew up with and uh, was friends with. Uh, she's, you know, kind of a small town gal with a good head on her shoulders, but you know, she's, um, she's fun to hang out with too. So that's, she is a bit, she's still a bit, she and her son play Mario Kart all the time. Yeah. That's their main thing to do to get with each other. Well, a hilarious book is what Penelope Lemon has been described by the sources and insiders in New York City, and we want you to be able to go pick up Inman Major's latest book. It comes out next week on August 15th. It's when it hits bookstores on hardcover, and also you can check it out in digital form. Inman, thank you very much, and it's been a pleasure catching up with you again, sir. John, uh, thank you for having me. Always good to talk to you as well. Uh, Come see me. Yes, sir, I will. Maybe we'll see a Dukes game. And I'm not talking about Dukes of Hazard. I'm talking about James Madison University.
I got you. Your buddy, if you, got, if you know the coach, maybe he can get us a good ticket. Yeah, he might. Of course, that place is selling out because they are a force in FCS football, JMU, and they'll probably be undefeated again in 2018. And of course, uh, hey, we can't have Johnny Major's nephew on the y'all show and, and not get your prediction for Tennessee football in 2018. Man, I I, uh, I think they'll be better. You'd have to think that guy seems like he's got it going on there. I think they'd be better. I'd say uh, I'd say a bowl season, wouldn't you? I'd say they'll be in a bowl game. I'm not saying. <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking the high road here. I don't I don't have a comment. All right. Well, Inman, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you, sir. Enjoyed it, John. Take care, man. All right. Well, that concludes our Buy the Book feature for this week on the Y'all Show. Next week, we'll have a listing of more great Southern reads for you to pick up at your local bookstore as we love to talk about Southern authors on the Y'all Show. Coming up next on the Y'all Show, we've been talking books. Well, let's talk about places you can take that book and read as it's our Dixie Destination Festive South feature. Coming up next, we've got some awesome places this weekend that you might want to go to or Maybe next weekend. We've got both weekends exciting festivals lined up, and we'll tell you where they are on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to The Y'all Show with John Rawls. Hi, Tom Bodette here. Apparently, it's super cool to do this voice when you're trying to be real serious. It's called vocal fry. Yeah. So I just want to stress how at Motel 6, you can get a great room for a great low pride. <coughs> how do they keep this up? I feel like I have mono. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the lozenge on for you. Light, I meant light. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalpage. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. The newest fall inspirations are here at Ulta Beauty, and they're hashtag trending. Like glossy lips to go with your pumpkin spice everything, autumn smoky eyes to pair with those new leather boots, and jewel tone eyeshadow to sparkle in every fall selfie. All from your most loved brands, like Tarte, Anastasia Beverly Hills, and Morphe. Hurry in to shop all the beautiful fall possibilities. Only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. An overflowing toilet can wreak havoc on your home. So today, I'll show you how to avoid a flood by installing the toilet in your bathtub. All you need is a plumber's wrench and a hose clamp. This easy modification not only stops flooding, it also cuts down on morning prep time. You could try to protect your home with a tub toilet, or you could get covered for personal property damage through the Geico Insurance Agency. Call Geico and see how affordable homeowners insurance can be.
And we're back on the Y'all Show as we close up Hour 1 in this segment. Thanks again to Inman Majors for being our great guest in the previous segment, telling us about his new book, Penelope Lemon. Can't wait to get that one and give it away as a stocking stuffer, if not sooner. That would be a great, great gift idea for a birthday, maybe a wedding present. Hey, maybe you're like me. You're behind giving someone a graduation present. Yeah, Penelope Lemon from Inman Majors, a fun book for you to read and to share. Well, we want to share with you our Festive South feature this week. These are places that you can get in the car, maybe get on a plane and go to this very weekend and making your plans for next weekend as well. We've got events for this weekend and next weekend that we want to share with you here on the Y'all Show. In Bowling Green, Kentucky this weekend, they've got the Dan Chuck Tri-5 Nationals. That's a car show. We told you about it last week. Bowling Green, home of the Corvette Museum. That is an awesome event going on this weekend. The Dan Chuck Tri-5 Nationals in Bowling Green. In Fairley, West Virginia, the State Fair of West Virginia is going on through August 18th. We encourage you to go to statefairofwv.com to learn more about this awesome event. Yeah, fair season is upon us. They just had one, I know, in Williamson County, Tennessee this week. Well, also in other states across the state. Uh, across the southeast, we've got fairs commencing and will continue going on throughout the fall. In Henderson, Kentucky this weekend, it's Bluegrass in the Park and Folk Life Festival. In Stanton, Virginia, it's the Stanton Music Festival taking place this weekend through the 19th of August. Sounds like a lot of fun. In the capital city of Mississippi, Jackson, it's Bright Light Bellhaven Nights going on on August 11th this weekend. So that'll be a great event for you to go to if you're in the Jackson area. Now moving on to next weekend in Louisville, it's the Kentucky State Fair. So that maybe those same people in West Virginia moving to Louisville for the Kentucky State Fair. KYStateFair.org is the website to learn more about this great event in Louisville. Also next weekend in Russellville, Alabama, in the shoals of Alabama, you got the Franklin County Watermelon Festival going on. Now that sounds delicious. Lebanon, Tennessee next weekend, the Wilson County Fair, wilsoncountyfair.net. Lebanon is about 15, 20 miles east of Nashville on I-40. Go to Wilson County and check out the fair. That runs through August 25th. It starts on the 17th, runs through the 25th. Also next weekend, Arts and Crabs Festival in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Check it out if you want to go to Lake Charles in southwest Louisiana for a great event. Also in Nashville, this coming weekend, uh, we've got the Tomato Art Festival. And then next weekend, this is a festival that I may just have to skip out on in Austin, Texas. You know, they love to be weird in Austin. Well, they've got the Bat Fest going on in Austin next weekend on August 18th. And this is a grand tradition of keeping Austin weird. It's a festival right up this quirky Sillies Alley. Bat Fest brings together live music, food, and of course, bats. And the Bat Fest organizers want to remind you you can come eat, drink, and party with those who don't rely on echolocation. And what in the world does that word mean, echolocation? Well, it means the location of objects by reflected sound, in particular those used by animals such as dolphins and bats. One of those I can live with, the other one I don't think I can. But we we told you earlier on the in the week on the Y'all Show that in Florida they're thinking about introducing bats as a way to help fight off mosquitoes as they have an abundance of mosquitoes in the swampy areas of Florida, and bats are a proven way to do that. The problem with bats 
is sometimes they get rabies and they can transmit rabies to human beings in some cases. A youngster in Florida died earlier this year after being bitten by a rabid bat. So everything can come back and bat you, or should I say bite you. (laughs) This is the Y'all Show. Thank you for being patient with us as we've gotten through our festive South Dixie destinations for this week. When we come back in hour two, we're going to give a big tribute to the boys over there, the Doughboys from 100 years ago, as this is the 100th anniversary in 1918. That was the year that America and Britain and France all banded together and brought World War I, the Great War, to a close. And we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of that right now with Armistice Day coming up on November 11th which was the ceasefire and end of the war. But we've still got a couple months until that happens. But the month of August back in 1918 was a crucial turning point in the Great War. And when we come back, we're going to tell you how America had a big role in helping that turning point come about. So that's coming up. Plus, we'll talk SEC football. We've got offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators galore ready to go and talk to you in hour two. So... Put your helmet on and get ready for some Doughboy talk and some Gridiron talk, both coming up in Hour 2 of the Y'all Show with John Ross. Hey, small business owners. Whether you're known for designing dresses for divas or delivering amazingly accurate accounting, there's something that makes your business great. And Vistaprint is here to help you tell the world. That's why we're offering 500 custom business cards starting at $9.99. There are hundreds of styles to choose from, easy logo upload, and our team is standing by to help you out. So be bold, be brilliant, and be the person who gets 500 business cards for just $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code 7575 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7575. And welcome back to Hour 2 on this Thursday, August 9th. This is Y'all, the show all about the South, the show all about y'all. Our number is 803-816-1170. Call or text. Operators standing by. We want to hear from y'all, and we want to know what you've got on your mind. Let us know suggestions about people to interview, maybe some topics, some festivals coming up. Hey, we're just a small show trying to get bigger and bigger. We mentioned fairs in the previous hour that are going on throughout the South, in West Virginia, in Kentucky, in Tennessee. Well, we're like the fair on the Y'all Show. We want to get bigger and bigger every year. And every show, we want to get bigger and bigger. So please consider us 803-816-1170. We've got our SEC spotlight shining bright Later this hour, you don't want to miss it. We've got some great audio from offensive coordinators in the SEC. We've got some great audio from defensive coordinators coming up this hour. So we've got both and from people that are very important figures within their college football program, but don't always get a microphone shoved in their face. And with camp starting the last couple of days at all of these SEC schools, these coordinators had to talk. And we just have to tell you, what they said when they got that mic shoved in their face. So some of it's really good. I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. The Tennessee defensive coordinator, he was awesome in his presentation in Knoxville this week. 
And we'll have that with Coach Rump coming up on the Y'all Show a little later this hour. Now, we're going to do something pretty cool in our Our South History salute. And we are saluting the Doughboys, those soldiers back in 1917 and 1918 who answered the call. Uncle Sam needs you. And they signed up and they went and fought against the Hun, the Germans, the Austrians, and the other Axis powers in World War I. And remember, World War I started in 1914, but America was very much about staying neutral. And America did stay neutral for years, despite, kind of like in World War II, kind of under the table giving Britain, an ally, a lot of help, and other countries too. America somehow stayed out of the war, but in 1917, Woodrow Wilson helped the country and Congress declare war on Germany on April 6 of 1917, and this was a major turning point. The first time America really, in mass, went over there, meaning they fought a, a war off of our shores here in America, and we sent transport ships with thousands and thousands of soldiers and thousands and thousands and untold amounts of equipment and weapons to bring victory to America and to the Allies. America, of course, was under General John Pershing. He was commander-in-chief of the American Expeditionary Force. And a large number of Americans went into the war and fought in the last months of 1917 and in 1918. And really, it was in the summer of 1918, right now, 100 years ago, when the fighting really started to change. Numbers went up, but also the gains by the Allies really was a major turning point in August of 1918. Remember, in World War I, the American military mobilized over 4 million military personnel from throughout the country. And in World War I, Americans, we had 110,000 die in World War I, and a lot of those died because of the Spanish flu outbreak of 1918. But World War I was a gruesome war. You had gas being used, and you had trench warfare. It was an ugly, ugly scene and really was a stalemate for years. But in August of 1918, some of that started to change, and we saw America's role by being on the, on the front and being those extra, as we said, amazing amount of uh, soldiers there helping out with four million Americans over there, that was a little bit more than the Germans could, could, could muster, and they ultimately folded the tent. The Battle of Amiens happened in 1918, right now this week. Now, this was a major battle that happened, but American troops really were not a part of it. It was British troops. It was Australian troops, Canadian troops, and French troops, and they fought off against the Germans in this major battle in France, but Americans really weren't part of it, and we saw, I think, 22,000 British troops died in that battle, 22,000 French. The Germans lost 75,000 in this battle in August of of 1918, the Battle of Amiens in France. America, although not in that battle, the Battle of the Somme happened just a few days later, August 21st of 1918 until the 2nd of September 1918. The Somme River 
in France. This was an American victory, but American soldiers fighting there, and they made a major, major push and were able to win this battle in that part of France. 11,500 casualties on the American side during the Battle of the Somme. This was the second Battle of the Somme in the River of Somme in France. And this was a, a response to a German spring offensive. And as we said, trench warfare, a major part of World War I. But here in August of 1918, and I don't mean to bore you if you're not into military history, but in 1918 with these offenses and, and the push made by the Americans and their allied partners, you saw more and more use of equipment. Tanks became a bigger deal in August of 1918, and it really overwhelmed the Germans. The Germans just weren't quite ready for what the American and Allied forces had coming their way, especially the tanks. Hard to fight a tank when all you got is a pistol or a rifle, even in their early stages of tanks. This was the first war that tanks really were part of any kind of battle. Uh, I know the Civil War here in America was known for its technology. The first submarine, successful submarine, was a Civil War invention by the Confederate Army, or Confederate Navy, rather, in Charleston, South Carolina. H.L. Hunley was that sub. Also in the Civil War, you had the Gatlin guns that helped become the first machine guns of warfare. But World War I, things took a turn for the worse. You had the gas, as we mentioned, was a uh, something that was deadly. I think both sides really were guilty of using gas against each other. And you've seen the old footage of the, the, the men in trenches and dying if they didn't get their gas mask on in time. Ugly, ugly scene. But again, a hundred years ago this month, you started to see a change in France on the, on the front lines of the Doughboys in action. And again, the armistice didn't happen until November 11th of 1918. That was the, the agreement that Germany said, okay, we're going to quit fighting and we'll give up stuff. Well, that happened, but it wasn't for a few more months. So we're going to keep talking World War I a bit on the Y'all Show as we work our way through to November. We'll, of course, feature other great history notes from throughout the South. But the Southern men who went over over there, and we just heard some of that song playing, by the way, here on the Y'all Show. Good song. Let's hear some more. Man, I wish I had a voice like that. Well, the, again, the Southerners from all of our states, men, white and black, signed up, went over there, made a huge difference, and brought victory. Woodrow Wilson as president, a Southerner, a man who was raised in Georgia and South Carolina and Virginia, maybe even North Carolina. He was a preacher's son. He helped lead our country to victory. And World War I, really, a hundred years ago this month, it became winnable thanks to in no small part america and i've been over to france i didn't even know where i was i was driving some back roads looking for honestly for some wineries it's a great area in france where a lot of these world war one battlefields are it's where wine fields are it's where you can go and buy cheap wine and i didn't even like wine but it was really cool to just go down the road and you see a small house with a sign on the side and they want you to come buy wine, and they made it themselves. Really neat. But in that same area is where you'll find these same battlefields, and 
My wife at the time and I were driving these small roads of France, and lo and behold, we saw the stars and stripes in the distance. And it was an American cemetery. And I didn't even know where we were. And we, where we were was Bella Wood, a famous World War I battle where the U.S. Marine Corps fought. And that happened in 1918. So it is no doubt a major turning point when America entered the Great War and how many Americans gave their lives in that battle, that, in that war that many have forgotten about. World War II was so awful that we've kind of totally forgotten about World War I. But thanks to great movies like War Horse, and if you haven't seen that Steven Spielberg film, that does a great job of kind of educating you on World War I and other films, whether it might be the great Tennessean, Sergeant York, Alvin York, who as a World War I soldier led an attack on a German machine gun, taking 35 machine guns, killing at least 25 German soldiers, and he captured 132 Germans. Sergeant York, a star of World War I and a Southerner, and he's one of thousands of Southerners that went to France and other countries fighting in World War II, and we salute all of those doughboys of yesteryear. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we'll move over to today, and what's happening today is another kind of battle, and the trenches will definitely be big for offense and defense to plow through. And that's coming up next as we have our SEC Spotlight. We've got a couple of offensive coaches and defensive coaches that are going to go to the mic and tell you about their respective units. That's up next on Y'all with John Rawl. Boost Our Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com promo code 4646. Avant.com code 4646. Hey, small business owners. Whether you're known for designing dresses for divas or delivering amazingly accurate accounting, there's something that makes your business great. Investaprint is here to help you tell the world. That's why we're offering 500 custom business cards starting at $9.99. There are hundreds of styles to choose from, easy logo upload, and our team is standing by to help you out. So be bold, be brilliant, and be the person who gets 500 business cards for just $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code 7575 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7575. 
Welcome back to the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Our Twitter account, at Y'all Show. Love to hear from you. Well, on the Y'all Show each Thursday, we turn our attention to the Southeastern Conference, where supposedly it just means more. And we're going to give you more of the SEC right now on Y'all as we often hear from the head coaches. And golly, they make tons of money. They get all the fame and glory. But working arguably just as hard as the head coach are the assistant coaches in each of these SEC programs. And on today's show, if you like assistant coaches and if you like coordinators, well, we're coordinating one heck of a lineup for you here on the Y'all Show. Up first, we're going to hear from some defensive coordinators. We're going to go to a break, and then we'll hear from a bunch of offensive coordinators on the Y'all Show. So let's speak defensively, if you don't mind. And up first is Chris Rump. The defensive coordinator, he's actually a co-defensive coordinator for the Tennessee Vols. And he comes to Knoxville after spending some time at the University of Florida. He was a defensive line coach in Gainesville the last few years. He's a former four-year letter winner at linebacker for the South Carolina Gamecocks back in the early 1990s when Sparky Woods and Brad Scott were coaching the Gamecocks in Columbia And Rumpf is now in Knoxville on Rocky Top, and he was very colorful and very meaningful when he had a chance to speak at Tennessee's Media Day just the other day. Let's hear from Chris Rump of the Tennessee Vols. You know, we're going to try to match it as best as possible, and then a lot of times it's, all right, how can I get my best play on the field? Because if you got a defensive front or defense and you got, you know, two of your best guys on the sideline, you know, it's not doing any good. So uh, we'll mix and match and try to come up with the best combination, get the best people on the field and need the best defense as possible. You've obviously coached in this in this defense for a while. Do you think it's tough for players to learn because it's so multiple and there's sort of many different things? Or is there, you think it's maybe simple once you get down to it? I think at first when, you know, you come in, it can be intimidating because you're looking at the entire thing. But like if you just sit down and, and just, it's like a pie. If you just take it slice by slice, take your time and eat it, man, eventually you're going to eat the entire pie. But if you try to eat the entire thing, man, you're going to make a mess. A few more questions, guys. Are, are you looking forward to seeing the translation of the strength and conditioning work on the on the field and practice? Oh, yeah, I'm, I can't wait for that. And the way those guys look and shoot, I wish I got involved with it a little bit. <laughs> got juiced up. Are you going to ask Coach Pruitt if you could have more media opportunities? Oh, man, I, that's, that's, that's his – he got to take care of that. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> Do you like talking to the media? You look like you have a little bit of a personality. Yeah, man, I like it, man. It's, it's, it's all part of it, you know. You know, it's, it's part of it. You guys got a job to do. We have a job to do, so it's, it's, it's a part of it. Going back to the question about leadership, do you think that those that have kind of – How old are you, man? I'm 19. No, okay, I'm about to say. Um, do you think that those that kind of haven't taken a vocal role are being pretty receptive to the guys that have stepped up and kind of, you know, taken leadership roles? I think so. Uh, they have. You know, you, you don't hear a lot of fussing. You can hear guys, hey, man, you know, stand up, do this, do that. And you see the guys responding. You don't see it. You don't hear a lot of back talk and stuff like that. So. Thanks for not asking me out. Ah, you 27, right? <laughs> well, I was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Coach C.C. Jefferson in Florida spoke so highly of you in the community. He did. Yeah. That you guys have. <laughs> the way I treated him. <laughs> How quickly can you establish that that trust and that connection and, and showing the players that you're invested in 
them as people being so new as new staff? I, mean, I try to be genuine. I try to be who I am. I'm Chris Rump, country boy from St. Matthew, South Carolina. I'm, I'm nothing, man. God has tremendously blessed me, and I appreciate that. And I honor him every day. And so I just try to treat people the way I want to treat. Man, I, I've been throughout my time and growing up and, and playing ball and coaching. I've seen all different type of coaching styles. I've seen styles that work. I've seen styles that didn't work. You know, I've seen guys that yell. I've seen guys that don't yell. So I just learned all that stuff and just put it in a pot, put it in a stew pot. Y'all probably don't know anything about that, but put it in a stew pot and, and, and mix it up and, and then pour it on me, and then it's me. So I just try to be genuine and, and, and let them know, man, I love you, man. I care about you. It's more than football. It's life. And, and, if, if, and then I tell them all the time, if, if the only thing that you learn from me is how to tackle, how to sack and all that stuff, then I fail. I just don't want to just be a guy that's going to teach you how to do that, man. I, I, might as well leave. I don't want to do that. I want to teach them how to be a man, how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to treat your wife, how to treat your kids, how to treat people. That's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. And if we can do that, man, it's where we're going to be great. But some way, some way down the line, man, we miss it. You know, all this money, you know, guys get paid. So now it's all about, you know, getting paid. My next spot, my next position, my next job, my next car, my next house. It ain't about that. It ain't about that. It's about these young men producing them because they're our future unless you want them kicking in your door at night robbing you <laughs> you know if you don't want that then teach them so that's what we got to do we got to teach them and if we just teaching them ball then shoot we fail get anybody to do this anybody can teach somebody how to play football but can anybody teach them how to be a man you know what i'm saying a true man you talk about a man out there running the streets trying to see how many girls he can get how many alcohol drinks he can drink and all that he's about they end up being a man anybody can do that can anybody sit in there and suck it up and be tough when times are tough and your wife looking at you and your kids are looking at you and how you going to feel? How you going to keep the lights on? You know, or are you just going to run out on them? Or are you going to sit in there and make it happen? So I think you combine that with football because football teaches you that. Teach you how to be mentally tough, physical tough. Teach you how to overcome adversity. Tennessee co-defensive coordinator Chris Rump on the Y'all Show, the pride of St. Matthews which is in Calhoun County, South Carolina. That is about 15, 20 miles due south of the capital city of Columbia. Now we move to the Auburn Tigers. Auburn, the defending SEC West champs. And Kevin Steele has been the defensive coordinator on the Plains for the last few years. You may remember him when he served as Alabama's defensive coordinator Back in 2007, he also spent a few years in Tigertown, not Auburn's Tigertown, but Clemson, South Carolina, where he was the coordinator for the Tigers several years ago. Well, Kevin Steele is now the D.C. in Auburn Town, and he had a chance to talk to the media the other day. And let's go hear from Kevin Steele now on the Y'all Show. Obviously, this is uh, the, the first time this year we've, we've talked about things uh, defensively. It, it's, uh, it's good to get out there and finally start practicing. We're in the uh, fifth day of, uh, of it, and we had pads on for the first time. And, of course, you obviously play football in pads, so uh, it was good to be out there doing that. Uh, those short, short days practices are a little tough when you're a defensive coach. But uh, the good thing about it is uh, not to be coach speak, uh, but we've, I think probably the thing that, that sticks out the most right now is the energy. Uh, and the the retention of of spring practice and what the older guys have done in years past, 
very, very good retention in, in what we do and how we do things. And then the leadership has been very, very good. So, uh, but I think probably if you said one thing right now that sticks out is the uh, football IQ of the of the group, particularly the, the top 15, 16, 18. The football IQ and the communication probably sticks out the most. With that, we'll open it up. Kevin, have your practices been any more rigorous or, or more physical maybe than compared to last season or seasons before? No. I mean, we, we make our – Practice is pretty rigorous anyway. You know, there's part of the, you know, obviously you got to stay up against the offense. You don't carry it to the ground because we have tackle, non-tackle rules, you know, those kind of things. But when we go to the defensive field, you know, we, we try to create physicality in every drill we can uh, just for simple because we're in the SEC. Could you just talk about how you go about doing that? Well, I mean, I'm not going to put on a football clinic in here, and that that'd be a little while. Uh, yeah. I know you could, but I I'm not going. No, but I, I mean, just I mean, is it all defensive guys or the scout team guys? Well, right now we don't have scout teams. I mean, we don't we're not dividing up as scout teams. The only people we have on our defensive field is is you know, but you can set up one on one drills, two on one drills, tackling drills, uh, pursuit drills, uh, all kinds of things. Kevin, how, how important are these early days for the newcomers, the young guys, that you want to kind of see how they stack up to know that if you'll be able to try to you know, work those guys into the mix early on? This uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's important, obviously, because you're recruiting them to help you. And uh, there's a, there's, the numbers show there's been a lot of freshmen play here in the last two years. Usually the most of those guys that did, somewhere about the – fifth, sixth, seventh day of fall camp, they're still going at a high rate. You know, day one, you know, everybody's kind of got that energy. They got one page of install or one set of install. And, but when that playbook installation gets to be considerably thicker, then things start turning a little bit. Uh, and you can see some slow down a bit and some accelerate. And so uh, that we're not at that point yet. But we've got a good start with the young guys. Where is that going to change? The, the new redshirt rule going to change with their mindset. Kevin? the youngest guys, when before it was, hey, if they're going to redshirt once the season starts, they're they're kind of checked out to a certain extent. But now they know they can play for you guys possibly week two, week four. You know? Right. Well, I think the the biggest thing is that uh, it's important enough what you're asking about the new redshirt rule and the fact that it's the four games and it could occur any time in the. 13, 14, 15 games you play. Uh, the important thing that is it's so important that we've talked about it and we have a plan. Now, when you say, well, what's that plan? Well, it means there will be some that you could play early, you could play later, depending on it, uh, that the variables change because of when and how to do that. And there's nobody specific yet. It's just a plan of we could do this, we could do this, we could do that. So it's important. I think – you probably hit it on the head. The hardest thing about being a freshman is if you're here as a freshman, after you get through fall camp, school starts, and now you're not playing. That's a hard way of life for a freshman who obviously was recruited at a high level in the SEC, and then all of a sudden he's not playing. And uh, you know, everybody's asking him back home why he's not playing. Well, he doesn't know that now. He can't, he can't say, well, I'm redshirting.
you know, because you really never registered to the end of the year anyway. That's when you officially turned it in. But if you hadn't played in the first six games, it's probably a pretty good indicator. Auburn defensive coordinator Kevin Steele on the Y'all Show talking about his defending SEC West Auburn Tigers defensive unit. And SEC West champs, by the way, but got a loss in Atlanta to the Georgia Bulldogs, and their reward was to stick around for the Chick-fil-A Bowl where they got beat by the UCF Knights, the Peach Bowl, Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, and golly, Auburn had such a good thing going, but fell apart. Kevin Steele, Gus Malzahn, hoping things on the Plains will be much better in 2018. To Lexington, Kentucky, good Lord, they need to have some success in the bluegrass this year. And Matt House is the defensive coordinator for the Kentucky Wildcat football program. He's going to go into his third season leading UK's defensive unit, and he's also coaching inside linebackers. He went to college at Michigan State and has had stops along the way with the Carolina Panthers and Pittsburgh Panthers in the college ranks before getting to Lexington and coaching with Coach Stoops at UK. Here's Matt House, defensive coordinator for Kentucky, talking about his unit on the Y'all Show. It'll be interesting to see how they, they take the grinds of, of training camp, you know, 25 practices in 29 days. Um, certainly excited, excited to see that. Coach, it looks like this defense is as quick as I've seen in a long time and big. So that's what you've been looking for. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, I think Coach alluded to it earlier that uh, there's a lot of experience. Uh, there's talent. Uh, and there's guys that are returning that have taken on leadership roles through the spring and the summer. So uh, we're really excited about where we can go. You've got two great tackles in there, too, Middleton and Bahama out of Tennessee. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think we got more depth than we've had there before. I mean, you know, those two guys you just mentioned, but then we also got uh, guys like T.J. Carter, who's played a bunch of ball, uh, Kelvin Taylor, who's played a bunch of ball, Tymer has played ball. So you got you got depth, and you know our league's a line of scrimmage league, and you can't be successful in our league with 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 just ones. You got to have a group. Now, what are your expectations for for Bobby Watson now that he's kind of settled in into position and, and might go more work? Yeah, we're excited about Boogie. I think he's progressed. You know, he he played at times and made impact plays last year in a bunch of different positions. Um, we really like the, the, the athleticism he brings on the edge, the ability to rush the passer. Um, so we're excited about him. You expressed enthusiasm for the weight gain that you've seen. Can you give us some numbers on that, and how does that translate on you know, I, I hate to rattle off specific numbers because a lot of times you end up being off. But I, I will tell you this. When you see our guys today, you're going to see guys that are noticeably bigger, broader. Uh, I think that does two things for you. Number one, it obviously lets you be more able to control blockers and win at the line of scrimmage. Okay? And number two, the bigger and the stronger you are, the more durable you generally are. I'm excited about that group. I think they've worked hard. Uh, I think Coach Ed, Coach Hill, and their staffs have done a great job uh, this summer. And just excited about it. Matt House, defensive coordinator for the University of Kentucky on the Y'all Show. So we've given you a great dose of defensive talk on today's program, hearing from the coordinators for Tennessee, Auburn, and the Kentucky Wildcats. And 
Just to give you a quick reminder, the Tennessee Vols, they opened their schedule at West Virginia. This game was actually going to be at Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium on Saturday, September 1st. Their first home game in Knoxville is against ETSU on the 8th of September. SEC play begins in Knoxville against the Florida Gators on September 22nd. Auburn, well, they've got a wild game to start out the year. They're going to be playing a very good Washington Husky team on September 1st. That's a 2.30 kick on ABC, and it'll be in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Washington and Auburn on September 1st. The first game at Jordan-Hare is going to be against the Alabama State Hornets on September the 8th. The Tigers begin SEC play in the Tigers versus Tigers feud as LSU comes to Auburn on September the 15th. And finally, for the Kentucky Wildcats and their defensive coordinator house, well, they open up play at home against the Central Michigan University Chippewas on September 1st. The first SEC game is on the road in Gainesville against the Florida Gators on the 8th of September. And that is a look at the defensive side of three of the SEC programs on today's Y'all Show. But our SEC spotlight continues to shine. When we come back from this timeout, we're going to switch over to the offense. We've got three SEC programs that we're going to tell you about, and we're going to hear from the offensive coordinators for Arkansas, South Carolina, and Mississippi State. That's all ahead as we wrap up today's Y'all Show here with John Rawls. Hi, Tom Bodette here. Apparently it's super cool to do this voice when you're trying to be real serious. It's called vocal fry. Yeah. So I just want to stress how at Motel 6 you can get a great room for a great little pride. <coughs> how do they keep this up? I feel like I have mono. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6 and we'll leave the lozenge on for you. Light, I meant light. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. The newest fall inspirations are here at Ulta Beauty, and they're hashtag trending. Like glossy lips to go with your pumpkin spice everything, autumn smoky eyes to pair with those new leather boots, and jewel tone eyeshadow to sparkle in every fall selfie. All from your most loved brands, like Tarte, Anastasia Beverly Hills, and Morphe. Hurry in to shop all the beautiful fall possibilities. Only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. Geico presents Unhelpful Home Improvement How-Tos. An overflowing toilet can wreak havoc on your home. So today, I'll show you how to avoid a flood by installing the toilet in your bathtub. All you need is a plumber's wrench and a hose clamp. This easy modification not only stops flooding, it also cuts down on morning prep time. You could try to protect your home with a tub toilet, or you could get covered for personal property damage through the Geico Insurance Agency. Call Geico and see how affordable homeowners insurance can be.
back we are for the final segment of this Thursday, y'all, with John Rawl, the show that talks about the South, whether it's cooking, politics, news, opinion, style perhaps, and certainly college football. And we've got our SEC spotlight going on now. We just heard about defensive coordinators, the offensive coordinators. They like the praise, too. And we're going to give it to you right now on the Y'all Show. As we said earlier, the head coach often gets plenty of microphone time. The quarterback and the running back get plenty of microphone time. But we don't often hear from coordinators in the SEC. Well, since camp has started for every SEC school, there are cameras, there are microphones, and there are coordinators. And luckily on the Y'all Show, we are going to give you a sample of some of those coordinators. Let's go to the Ozarks right now. And Arkansas has a brand new offensive coordinator because they've got a new coaching staff for the Hogs this year. Joe Craddock is Arkansas's offensive coordinator, and he's also serving as quarterback coach for the Hogs. He comes to Fayetteville after spending the past three seasons as offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach for the SMU Mustangs. Of course, that's where Chad Morris was coaching SMU prior to coming to Fayetteville. Well, Craddock talks about the Hogs offense now on the Y'all Show, so let's go hear from this great coach on the Y'all Show. I want the best guy that's going to put our team in the end zone consistently and, and allow us to win a lot of games. It's going to allow us to win a lot of championships. In the meeting rooms, the staff meeting rooms mm-hmm. with the full staff, not mm-hmm. just offense, defense, what's it like being in there with Coach Chavis, you being the younger yeah. guy, he being the older guy? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you know, you can learn a lot from those guys. They've been around, uh, he and Coach Caldwell and – and Coach Coop and, and Coach Scott and Coach Smith, I mean, they've all been around. And um, you, know, you learn different things from them. And I also think they learn things from us when it comes to social media, <laughs> uh, how to get in the kid's hand and, and Snapchat and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I was asked, uh, Coach Call was asked me the other day, you know, you got to teach me how to work Snapchat. <laughs> so they can learn a lot from us. But when it comes to playing in the SEC or coaching the SEC, um, you know, those guys bring a lot of knowledge. They've been around, they know. Um, and, and it's been good to have him around. Going back to LaMichael Petway, have you had those conversations with him about being the guy and just oh, yeah. carrying that spring game? Yeah, him? absolutely. You know, the number one uh, event that I can recall really with him is when he made a big play in the spring game. And I, told, I brought him over. I said, dude, if you'll do that consistently, you'll be a first-rounder. You'll be the next first-rounder that we've coached. And, um, and so he's really took that um, – and ran with it, and he's had a great summer. You see him getting a lot of extra work in, catching a lot of balls, and and uh, on his own, and and doing the things it takes to be the next first round pick to come out of this system. So, uh, again, very excited about him as well as our, all the other receivers that we have. I think we we've, we've done a good job of, of bringing some guys in that are going to help us, and and um, and we're excited about that position and really the competition that we're going to have because you know we only have three spots, and our best three guys got to play. A former MTSU Blue Raider, he played for MTSU from 2004 to 2008, was a team captain. He also played baseball in Murfreesboro for the Blue Raiders. That is the current offensive coordinator in Fayetteville, Joe Craddock, on the Y'all Show. Now to the University of South Carolina. And Brian McClendon is the offensive coordinator for Will Muschamp. And in his first couple of seasons in Columbia, he was the co-offensive coordinator for Carolina. But now he is the offensive coordinator 
for Will Muschamp. And McClendon had a chance to talk to the media. He graduated, by the way, from the University of Georgia in 2005 and was a player for the Georgia Bulldogs and played a little NFL ball with the Chicago Bears. But now he's moved over to the coaching ranks. And Brian McClendon had a chance to talk about the Gamecock offense and Jake Bentley at quarterback. And let's hear that now on the Y'all Show. To be honest, which I think everything around here in general, we try to do at a fast pace, uh, try to make sure that it's as high intensity as possible. And I think that's more so what kind of filters through everything else. But uh, just knowing that we want to, we want to do, uh, we we want to play with tempo and be able to dictate tempo offensively. I think that has helped in the in the off season and definitely helping the preparation part of it all. We've heard how Jake may pre- maybe prefers to play fast. How has a guy like Donnell, who's really the point of that attack, sure. has he adjusted to sure. it? I think uh, the O line in general is what drives it all, no matter what you're doing. So to be, to get all those guys on the exact same page. Um, and make sure that everybody and everybody knows and adheres to kind of everything that we're trying to do standard-wise. I think more so, more so than anybody, but up front, those guys have to make sure that we're, that we're on top of things in that way. There's an appetite <clears throat> for those who observe this program and who watch this program for change with the offense. How are you satisfying that appetite? Well, I don't know how I can answer that question right now, to be honest with you. Um, but the one thing I want to do is just give everybody a product that they can be proud of. And the one way, the one way that we can do that is, one, we're going to try to do a great job of getting our playmakers the ball. That's, that's going to be one. And two, we're just going to go out there and we're going to compete at a high level and play as hard as we possibly can to the very, very end. And I think if we do that, good things will happen. Ryan, how much is it going to mean to have Debo back on the field? Anytime you get a guy that can score at any part of the field, I believe that helps you. Um, you know, obviously, he's one of those guys that can do that and has done that in the past. So getting him back is a, tr- is a tremendous help. And being able to do different things with him and his skill set, I think, helps out a bunch. Brian, do you feel any extra pressure being the play caller and knowing that the offense is going to kind of have the, the microscope on it all year? Sure. Well, I, I think that kind of what, what, is what comes with it. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, if, if I'm not comfortable being in that position, our player's not comfortable being in that position, then it's not going to be very good. Um, so we just got to – we can't focus on a bunch of that stuff. The only thing we can focus on really is going out there and being our best that day. And Brian, so right now that's our focus. Brian, for you personally, what's been the biggest challenge since being named full-time OC? Um, it's just really just making sure that everything, that as far as the – Everybody, you're just responsible for everybody. You're responsible for it all. And I believe um, as long as you communicate well and put everybody on the same page when it comes to stuff, I think that gives you the best chance to win. Um, just know it's not just me. It's, it's the whole offensive staff. And uh, football is ultimately a team sport. And I think the biggest thing that, that exemplified that was the bowl game. Uh, you know, defense played well, special teams played well, and they kept us in it where all we had to do was do our part offensively, and we ended up hitting some big shots at that game. And I just think it's, it, it, it exemplifies what the sport and what the team is about. And so that's what we got to do. We got to play team ball, and we got to go out there, and we got to take advantage of stuff that we can. So that's really all that we can focus on. What are some of the little things that you guys, I mean, obviously big picture you guys want to work on every single yeah. thing, but what, what are some of the things in particular that you want to see the offense drive in? Um, it's a lot. Um, but the main thing is just focusing on today. Focusing on today, we got to do a great job at, at ignoring the noise, and you know, what I mean, that's just that's just in general. Um, that's just what's being written, what's being said by not just anybody, but I mean, our families, friends, you know. And so we just got to go out there and be ready to focus on getting better that day, 
And um, and that, I say that as genuinely as I possibly possibly can. It's not a cliche thing, um, but that's where our focus better be if we're gonna if we're gonna improve at all. So that's right now is what is all all that we're talking about. And today, um, I felt like in some in some areas we did that, and and I felt like you know to be honest with you, we were kind of sloppy in some other areas. But we just got I mean it's, it's some of that stuff comes with first day stuff, and we just got to go with it. How much have you leaned on Dan Werner, and, and how has he put his imprint on this offense since he's been here? Um, you lean on all the coaches. Um, so I lean on Dan just as much as I lean on the rest of the guys, uh, to be honest with you. And so, you know, he's just, he's just a part of the offensive team as far as coaching staff goes. Um, I feel like, I mean, we take we can take facets from everybody. You know, the biggest thing about Dan and I is that we kind of came up the same way. You know, learn football through a, through through the through the pro wide, and then kind of spread out, and kind of had to learn stuff from spread stuff from there. And um, you know, we see a lot of the stuff the same. And so, um, just more so wise. I mean, he he's really good as far as ideas and advice and things like that. But I mean, I lean on him just like I lean on everybody else. South Carolina Gamecock offensive coordinator Brian McClendon on the Y'all Show, answering a few questions about the Gamecock offense. Well, Mississippi State has a new coaching staff. Joe Moorhead took over the MSU program after Dan Mullen skipped town for Gainesville and the Florida Gators. Well, Moorhead brought in a familiar face to be his offensive coordinator for the Bullies. It's Luke Getze, who played for Moorhead when Getze was an all-Mac quarterback for the Akron Zips back in 2002, 3, and 4. And now Getze is an offensive coordinator, and he comes to Starkville to have a high-octane offense and with Nick Fitzgerald under center, that might just happen. Let's go here from the new man in charge of the offense at Starkville, Luke Getze on the Y'all Show. It's been progress. I think we've we've done a really good job of getting a little bit better every single day. Uh, it's good to see you know the quarterback out there and taking all, uh, you know a bunch of reps. So you know that obviously helps. Um, but the play style, the the tempo has all been really really good so far. Coach Moorhead said there's a lot of retention from back in the spring. Did you see that as well? Yeah, the execution and the knowledge of the guys, they did a heck of a job this summer. They really did. Uh, I'm proud of all those guys because we really hit the ground running. We really did. Where in spring it was, you know, up and down day to day. And, uh, but those guys did a really good job. And strength staff did an unbelievable job of getting them in shape because they're, they're, they're working their butts off. Coach Moorhead said before that he doesn't like to rotate personnel a lot to kind of tip the defense off and that there may be three receivers that separate themselves. When do you anticipate maybe that process being a little closer to finalized? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the closer you get to the game, it, it should. It usually plays itself out. But uh, I'm going to give these guys as much time as possible. Uh, all Everyone in the group's taking one reps. Everyone's taking two reps. Everyone's taking three reps right now for me, really. And I'm just letting guys have the opportunity to get out there and prove to the rest of the team. And uh, so it's been – they're battling. They're battling. They're doing a really good job. I mean, the guys are – they're in such much better shape right now than they were in the spring. And like I said, their knowledge of the offense is, you know, giving us a chance to really execute. And you guys know our defense is, is phenomenal, so we get a great opportunity against really, go against really good players every single day. So that's just making us better too. What qualities are you looking for in those three to four people to, to separate themselves? What do they need to do to do that? Yeah, the first thing is consistency. You know, they got to be consistent. They got to be able to come out every single day and perform at a high level. Um, you know, and accountability. You know, guys are going to have to be accountable catching the football, aligning properly, doing their assignment properly, catching the football. Um, you know, like I said, like I said, our defense is, does a great job, and they they force a lot of turnovers and they challenge us a lot. And so, 
we're getting a really good opportunity to see who's who can withstand that, right, and who can compete. So consistency and accountability are the two things that that are going to put somebody, uh, you know, on the field on Saturdays. Do you anticipate some of your slot guys being used in the running game this this fall? Yeah, I mean that's that's always going to be a part of us. I mean that's the physicality of our football team will be the definition of our offense. I mean we're that's that's the starting point. Everything starts up front, and that mentality is going to going to spill all across the board. I mean we talk about it every single day. Perhaps Getze gets it. That's Luke Getze, offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Now looking at these three programs we just spotlighted on the Y'all Show and how they start their seasons, the Razorbacks begin play in Fayetteville against Eastern Illinois on September 1st. Their first SEC game is the 22nd of September when they go to the Plains to face Auburn. And by the way, if you're a Razorback fan, some of these crazy games that are away from Fayetteville, they play Texas A&M in Arlington on September 29th, and then they have that one game a year in Little Rock. That's going to be October 13th when they play the Ole Miss Rebel Black Bear Landsharks in Little Rock's War Memorial Stadium. The Arkansas Razorbacks, again, starting the season on September 1st against the Eastern Illinois Panthers, Tony Romo University. To the Gamecocks, they start their season against in-state foe Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina has just moved up from FCS to the Sun Belt, and the Chanticleers, which were at one time a division of the University of South Carolina, they come to play what was their flagship college on September 1st at williams Bryce Stadium. That is a high noon kick on the SEC network. The Gamecocks' SEC opener is really the biggest game all year for Carolina, and that's when the Georgia Bulldogs come to town on September 8th for a game that's going to be on CBS, a 3.30 kick, Columbia time, Gamecocks versus Georgia. The winner of that, I think, will end up playing in the SEC championship. Most people think Georgia's going to walk away with the SEC East, but if South Carolina in the heat of Columbia in a mid-afternoon game in September, they, they could pull off a good win for Will Muschamp against his alma mater. And finally, for Mississippi State, the Bulldogs are going to be seeing a lot of purple to start the year. Stephen F. Austin, the Lumberjacks, come over from Texas for a game in Starkville on September 1st. That's a nighttime game. And then the Bulldogs hit the road on September 8th to go to K-State, and they'll face off against the Wildcats in Manhattan, Kansas, on September the 8th. The Bullies start SEC play on the road at Kentucky, where they play the Kentucky Wildcats at Kroger Field on September 22nd. And that's a look at your three teams in the SEC from an offensive perspective, the Razorbacks, the Gamecocks, and Mississippi State. Well, thanks to listen for listening to today's SEC Spotlight on the Y'all Show. We've had a good time giving these coordinators some love, the defensive coordinators, Chris Rump, Kevin Steele, and Matt House of Kentucky. And then we heard in this segment Joe Craddock from Arkansas, Brian McClendon of the Gamecocks, and Luke Getze of MSU. Well, on the Friday show, we're going to have another stellar program. We're going to be looking back at some great interviews we've done this week. We'll have our Friday Free For Y'all with David Lee Murphy songs and more. Hashtag Hullabaloo's coming up. We haven't done that in a while. We're ready to give you some madness from social media. And as we do each week, we'll close it all out with From Dixie With Love, the song of the South. It'll be on the Friday Y'all. So until that time, hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you for being a part of the Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl. We'll see you Friday.